0: The following show is part of the BPL, Beats, Pods, and Life Network. going on everybody welcome back to another episode of on the air with Prayers. thank you for rocking with me um this is episode number three all right and uh it's been a little while between episodes two and three life got in the way and um you know i was able to finally get my guests um Get her schedule and my schedule to line up To where we can um, bring this new episode to you So I appreciate you guys for rocking with us Um, You could definitely check out this particular podcast On the Beats Pods and Life Network As well as the Belligerent State of Mind As well as Sipping with Brandy and then you can also check out the top 10 uh episode that my man Lou Hall and the dopest dame got rocking right now um without further ado I'd like to uh welcome my guest this is um a very important episode in my opinion um and my guess is An authority on um, The subject which is Mental health Um, This young lady Has been uh, Putting in work for years um, On uh, In the mental health field And uh, I appreciate the things that she's doing And uh, I'm just going to Introduce her and let her talk to you about Herself a little bit and then we're going to get to it So uh, Mackenzie Nash
1: well, hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. I am glad we were able to finally, finally schedule a time to, you know, to start recording and have this conversation. Yes. Um, you know, we've been talking about doing this for a while, so I'm glad we were finally able to get here together today.
0: Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, and, you know, recording the podcast is not as easy as people may think there's a lot of a lot that goes on behind the scene, a lot of pre-production, a lot of post-production. Um, like I said, uh, the the schedules, everybody has lives, you know, where you all have lives that we lead and just to like get all that lined up. is not that easy, but you know, nothing worth having is easy. Right. Isn't that how the saying goes? Something
1: like that. Close enough.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, like I said, um, this is an important subject that needs to be Discussed for me and uh, for a lot Of people you know They may not admit it But you know it, It's definitely something that We need in the community to, to to discuss And the more we talk about it I think the the more Help people will start to seek there, There's a lot yeah. of Right there's a lot of platforms Out there a lot of podcasts a lot of Shows a lot of Books and websites and things of that nature, a lot of blogs, YouTube channels, you name it, that um that ad- that address the issue. <clears throat> but I just wanted to um just put my perspective on it, put your perspective on it. And um you know, just just have a little discussion, you know?
1: Yes, you know, that's one of the big things that's important to me is just you know having these conversations um about mental health about uh wellness right um because it's something that like we just don't talk about at all so you know just to start with having the conversations and see you know where it goes from there
0: right 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 exactly so tell me tell tell the people about yourself tell tell the people about Mackenzie Nash like where you're from Um, How long you've been practicing? You know, how did you become interested in working in the mental health field? Just go ahead and uh, let the people know.
1: Sure. So I am Mackenzie Nash. I am a Philadelphia native born and raised in Philadelphia. Um, I have been working in the mental health field for at this point, about eleven years. Um, so I started my interest in mental mental health started actually in high school. Um, I was in a um, an enrichment program with Temple University for their for like inner city first generation college students. Um, so I started the program my going into my freshman year of high school, and I was with them throughout college. I mean throughout high school. Mm -hmm. And part of our requirements was to participate in the science fair. Um, So by the time I got to, like, my junior-ish year, I was over the sciences. Like, I didn't want to do any experiments. Like, I was over it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started looking into other different types of things that I could work with. Um, So I did an experiment on the Stroop effect, and it's related to, like, neural— neuropsychology, neuro anyway, it was <laughs> mental health related. Right, right. Um and at that time I was really getting into law and order. So I wanted to be Dr. Han from off of Law and Order. Dr.
2: Um, he Han. was the Asian
1: he was the um I think that was his name. Dr. Wong. He so that was, that was the <laughs> Go
2: ahead.
1: he was the you know he was the um psychologist that worked on Law and Order and he would interview a lot of the suspects and the um the witnesses and mm. you know and he was involved in the whole process
0: that was uh um, um,
1: and i was <laughs> that was the lord
0: order the the, the svu right the special yes, he was on SVU. okay cool, yes. cool. That was
1: no show. Uh, so you know that just got really they got me really interested in you know like the men- mental health um why people do the things they do how people think Right. Um, how and more so like how people end up in, you know, involved in the criminal justice system. Um so I ended up going to Penn State University, right. main campus. I was there for four years when I got my bachelor's degree in psychology and crime law and justice. Okay. Um, so that's where like, you know, my educational background started. Um, and in the process of getting my undergrad degree, I took a course on rehabilitation of corrections. Um, and that was my first time getting to actually go to a correctional facility. We took a tour of SCI Rockview out in Center County. What's
0: what's SCI? Is that a school?
1: Oh, SCI. So it's the State Correctional Institute uh, Institution in Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, in Central PA. So it's where one of the uh, I think there's twenty, I don't know, is it twenty-three, I think, facilities, um, state state correctional facilities in Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, and that's one of them. Um, so we did a tour, we got to talk to some of the staff. Um, so it was just like super interesting how, you know, just seeing what a correctional institute looks like from the inside. Um, so they ended up leading me to do a internship going into my senior year of college with the Philadelphia prison system under Dr. Carlson Payne, who was the head of the psychology and mental health department for the uh, Department of Corrections at the time. Um, and it was really decent because he kind of, he let me experience all that is mental health and corrections kind of on my own. He, you know, he paired me up with uh, different staff at different um facilities and kind of let me learn how things worked um, and experience things hands-on so by the end of my internship he had me um interviewing inmates um, mm-hmm. by myself and you know reporting back to him and reporting at meetings um you know things that i felt my experience
0: giving you so by like point- firsthand first-hand experience to see whether yeah. or not this is something that you want to do
1: absolutely and you know what i definitely appreciate him for that because i'll never forget i was at i believe i was at house of corrections so if you don't i am five feet um
0: you sure you five feet
1: if you yes i'm five feet so you know a lot of times i look a lot younger than what i actually am so at the time i might have been 20 i'm I think I was 20. I don't even think I was 21 yet. So, you know, I had went to House of Corrections. I had my meeting or whatever. And the person I was working with today, that day was like, I'm going to let you go early so that you can get out the institution before they start mass movement. Right. Well, we started talking and by the time I got out, literally, like I heard the doors open and there's nothing but these like grown men in whatever state a county issue uniforms, and they're like flooding the hallways and i just like at one point i think i just stopped and looked like oh shit like this is real like <laughs> this is real
0: were you scared um, like were you scared like something might happen to you
1: i don't necessarily think that i was scared um i definitely was aware of my surroundings my heart started beating a little fast. I just was like, you know, I want to make sure I get out of here. I was really, honestly, more concerned about getting lost. Okay. Um, Because that's the last thing I wanted to do was get lost in a prison and then, you know, not know where I was. Right. Um, so it wasn't necessarily about being scared in the environment. It was more so making sure that I knew how to get out. Right, right, right. Um, so anyway, I ended up getting out. All of that was good. Um, So after I graduated from Penn State, I started working in community mental health, and I started out as a case manager for adolescents who were struggling with drug and alcohol, just behavioral problems, Um, but it was an early intervention program, so it was to help kind of catch them. Um, and get them wrapped up in services before they kind of spiraled further down like a negative path that they were taking. So I work, um, you know, with youth from, I believe we started working with them at like 11 or 12, um, up to like seniors in high school. So it was stuff with getting them involved in community programs, um, making sure they're, you know, Doing what they're supposed to in school, helping with tutoring if they, you know if that's what they needed, helping with looking for jobs and just trying to keep them active. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that for a little bit and then I went back into the prisons as a counselor and I was doing the drug and alcohol counselor uh, for one of the women's prisons um, in Philadelphia, um, which was also a different experience. Because as we know, like methadone maintenance, suboxone maintenance for the opiate um, crisis is kind of a hot button topic about you know what how we should be treating addictions. um So just to kind of see how that program ran um, in a correctional facility, um and also it was interesting because for the first time I was working primarily with with women, um, and that's just a whole you know, different aspect of mental health and, you know, there's just a lot more factors that go into working with women Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, you have the woman, her own, you know, the issues that she's dealing with, but you also have, you know, her children, her family relationships, like there's just, you know, a lot more that goes into it or not necessarily a lot more that goes into it, but it's just different. Um, so I did that for about a year, and then I went into um, probation. So I was a probation officer working in domestic violence with adult offenders, and um, that was fun, because like I said, by this point, I am still five feet, 23, 24, you know, a woman, coming in to supervise these mostly men who already have domestic violence issues. So a lot of them already were not fans of, you know, taking... They just had, you know, issues with women, whatever they may be, a Mm -hmm. lot of times. Mm -hmm. So now to try to navigate this as, you know, somebody fairly young, fairly new into the field, um, and now you're, I mean, you know, I'm they're expecting to do what I said well I'm expecting them to do what I say and they're looking at me like ma'am no so Mm -hmm. I will say that job was um, that was me learning gaining my voice Mm -hmm. you know trying to you know how to build respect and rapport with people who um, for whatever reasons don't easily give it to you Mm -hmm. Um, so trying to manage and with a caseload of people who honestly wanted nothing to do with me, didn't want to listen to me. Um, so being able to kind of find my voice and find creative ways to connect with people. So that was, you know, three years, three and a half years of working with that population, um, which also got me with the ins and the, ins and out of going to court, um, getting to know judges and prosecutors, defense attorneys, that whole process um, definitely gives you gives you a lot of insight into the criminal justice system. What works, what doesn't work, um, ways that you know areas for improvement, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and just that whole process.
0: So they're 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 dependent on your expertise for a lot of these, um, you know, I guess prisoners that you're working with, right? They, the assessments that you come up with they determine what kind of sentence that they're going to go after or like leniency is, is that like the role so
1: in some ways so when i was a probation officer my role was to make sure that the conditions that the court imposed were being followed um, and then when they weren't being followed, you know, when people had to go back in front of the judge, I was able to kind of make recommendations, um, or, you know, talk about the progress that, you know, the individual may have been making areas where they, you know, were still struggling. Right. Um, and, you know, we weren't able to make recommendations sometimes, you know, our recommendations, the staff went with sometimes they didn't, but. Um, you know, there was some ability to make recommendations. Right, right okay. Um, so also during that time, I went back to school for my master's. Okay. Um, and I ended up going to LaSalle University, also in Philadelphia. Right. And I got my master's in professional clinical counseling. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, in the mental health field, there's only so far that you're going to go with a bachelor. So I already knew that I had to go to grad school. Mm -hmm. Um, and it just was a matter of figuring out where to go when I wanted to go. But, um, I ended up graduating in January of 2015 with a master's in professional clinical counseling. Gotcha. Um, so from there, I ended up going back into community mental health and working with an intensive supervision program for families. Um, and juveniles who were involved in the criminal justice system who, you know, were having truancy issues and just difficulties um, and working with um, individual family and group counseling. <sighs> Did that for a little bit before I finally made my way back to corrections, which I'm uh, what I'm doing now. So I do work for um, the state providing mental health services to individuals who are incarcerated who have mental um, mental illnesses, varying levels of mental illnesses. Hmm. Um, So everything eventually, you know, everything has come full circle. So I'm back to doing what I initially set out to do um, and working to provide mental health services for individuals that are incarcerated, which is never a dull day. (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: I can imagine because I work in a, uh, in a in a hospital that has a mental health um I guess clinic, I guess you can say, uh
2: okay.
0: um psychiatric ward is the better description of it. So
2: mm-hmm.
0: I definitely understand the challenges that you might face when working with um, you know, population of um people who suffer from mental health um illnesses. It's not easy. It's not an easy job to have.
1: You know, it it definitely has its challenges. Um, And it's a field where you're not always appreciated. Um, The work that you do is not is undervalued and underappreciated, Um, but it has the potential to be high impact um sometimes the rewards aren't most of the times the rewards and gratification is not instant um and it's you know the small gains the small successes but i think if you you know when you stick it out and to be able to see the progress that people have made it you know it makes it all worth it it makes you know the hard days the small paychecks and you know it (laughs) It makes it all worth it in the end, and I, you know, as a lot of times I think the people that go into the field, um, they do it because they genuinely want people, want to help people to better themselves.
0: Right, right. Well, let me tell you that I appreciate you. I appreciate, <laughs> you. It. definitely appreciate the work that you're doing because it's important work. Um, we need more people that do the work that you do. Um, thank you. Definitely, definitely. Um okay so that's a lot. You know, you've definitely been putting in a lot of work um over the last few years, last several years. You are a psycho psychologist or like what would your title be? Yeah, like so, it, right now. Mm-hmm.
1: So right now, um by license I am a professional counselor. Um, So I'm a counselor. Okay. Um, By my job description, my job title is a psychological service specialist. Um, But by trade, I'm a counselor therapist. Um, There a lot of times, counselor and therapist are used interchangeably, um, but we basically do the same thing.
0: Okay, that's what Um, I was going to ask you. I was like, mm -hmm. so therapist, and you say like a, a psychological services specialist are interchangeable and counselor all of that is interchangeable
1: so counselor and therapist are interchangeable um a lot of times people use what title is based on their license um so people that have the lpc or a mental health a licensed professional counseling uh counselor or like a mental a a licensed mental health counselor will go by counselor whereas um you know somebody that's licensed as a marriage and fa- a marriage and family therapist will use the title therapist.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but the general, the you know, the course study is different, um, and the, the specialties are a little bit different. But in terms of the services provided, counselors and therapists are usually um, used interchangeably. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Then you also have psychiatrists. Um, So the difference is that a psychiatrist is a medical doctor, so they've gone through medical school, um, they've done residency um, Uh and that whole process, Uh Um, but their role in mental health is to provide, they do medication management. So they're able to prescribe medication, um, whereas a counselor or a therapist is not. Okay. Um, And then what else do we have? We have social workers. Who, um, their role is more of, I would say it's more of like linkage with community resources. And that is not giving them enough credit for all the work that they do. Um, But they're more of like a service-based position. So they're helping you with resources and... um, how else can i describe them um like a lot of community in like system uh systemic work that they do mm-hmm. okay. um but a social worker can also provide counseling and therapy um if they're licensed to do so okay um i think that's everybody
0: okay cool that's what's up um I know when I was, what was I, first year college, second year college, first year college, I was going through some things, right, Mm -hmm. and I needed to go see somebody, I felt like it was to the point where nothing was going right, I didn't know, like, how I was going to make it, Um, it was just... A stressful time for me. So I ended up going to see a counselor um mm-hmm. at my school. Um I had just broken up with my daughter's mom and you know it's it's just it was kinda like a bad situation. So we um we sat down, I sat down with the counselor and we talked about it. And I I, I actually felt good after the conversation. I was able to get a lot of things off my chest and get a different perspective on the situation and you know the problems were still there obviously but it just made it a little bit more like some some clarity i got some clarity on some things you know what i mean and like i don't know if like being able to sit down and talk to the council back then i think that just kind of like Helped me realize that it's okay to mm-hmm. go and get help whenever you feel like you can't, you can't cope, or you can't manage, or you're having a bad day or a bad week or whatever it is, you know. And um, I'm glad I did it because about two years later, I'm in the military now, and um, it was it was another r- rough patch. That I was going through, and I felt like again I needed to talk to somebody, and it made it a little bit easier to go talk to that person the second time. Cause you
1: did it already. Cause right. I did it you already. Kind of know what to
0: expect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I really needed to talk to somebody at that point. It was the military. Like I'm sure you know of, you've heard. Um, sometimes you gotta, you gotta put yourself. You gotta like. How could I put it? That's the best way, the most politically correct way to say it. Like,
2: you <laughs> you have to
0: assimilate. This is this is what yeah. what you have to do sometimes, right? They they require you to assimilate and basically conform to their ways. And deep down inside, I am not a conformist. <laughs> right. I like to go against the grain. Oh uh, I, I like to do my own thing, and. It, whenever you have that type of personality, this it's, it's clashes. clashes right. are bound to happen, right? So long story short, I was going through some things in the military and I felt like I needed to go see somebody. And now the problem is that traditionally, if you're in the military, you're not supposed to have mental health issues, right? You're not supposed to right. have times where you can't cope or you're unsure of what you're supposed to be doing like you understand what i'm saying like right because
1: you are supposed to be protecting the people like how can you protect the people Mm -hmm,
2: mm -hmm.
1: if you got you know Mm -hmm. if you're not fully yourself and you don't have you know everything together that's right so i can only imagine you know the pressures that that puts on you know an individual and just the nature of the military you know Mm -hmm. you're being you know coming from this this life of you know quote unquote freedom so now you're going into this you know role where there's structure and there's rules and Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot less flexibility a lot of times you're being you know you're being asked to pick up and move and leave your family your supports your you know you're away for long periods of time you may be relocating completely yep
0: all all of that all of that was you know stuff that i was dealing with because i i had left new york i i got stationed in california way across the country and when i went into the military my whole my whole plan was to like stay on the east coast right I kn- i know that they can ship you off and send you anywhere they want right you know, duty calls or whatever. But, you know, I was always told that, you know, you fill out, the, we had something called a dream sheet. You fill out this dream sheet and, you know, you pick, you put down eight bases that you would like to be stationed at. And now mind you, I had a daughter, right? My daughter was probably, she was three. Okay. And, um, I didn't want to go too far. Right. I didn't want to leave the immediate area. So I put down every base that I can that's within, you know, like say three or four hours from New York. Um, So I was putting down bases from Boston all the way down to uh, Virginia, you know, North Carolina. They, they, I think one day they, you know, whenever that time came, they saw the dream sheet. They saw that I put down all East coast bases. So they shipped my ass to the West coast. (laughs) I was tight. Right. And like you said, like, you know, In addition to my daughter, you know, I have my moms and my brothers and all my friends and all that, you know, I'm leaving. I'm getting shipped out. I'm not going to see them like I want to see them anymore. So that took some adjustment. It took a while to get adjusted to that. And um, then I had issues within the military, within my unit. Um, You know, I got, you know, I went in a little bit older than most. And so I, I got like younger cats telling me what to do um and for me that was a big deal like not saying that they didn't know what they were saying or what they were talking about but my ego was just like couldn't handle it so I had issues with that um I just had issues with authority and it was just another time where I just had to go talk to somebody and I did it I didn't really care what the consequences were people a lot of these military members they refuse to go and seek help because they feel like they're going to get kicked out they feel like they're going to get um you know they're going to lose their benefits right and and a lot of unfortunately a lot of times the military is all they got the military is all they know right so they don't want to jeopardize that so they keep all that stuff bottled in and we all know what happens when you get to the point where you just can't take it no more right so we see that a lot um over the last few years a lot of instances where um military members have you know basically either hurt themselves or hurt other people right you know mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of um shootings a lot of uh you know mass shootings a lot of uh you know um military members that are you know put in positions where know if they were able to get help things might have been different you know right so that's something that we definitely have to do better at as far as the military is concerned we definitely have to like push and get people out there to talk to these soldiers and these sailors and airmen and marines you know what i mean
1: definitely and you know i could say the same for you know working in corrections. Um, because we do, on top of, you know, being in a stressful environment, we have a lot of staff who are veterans. Mm-hmm. Um, So, you know, being in these stressful environments, one in the military, then leaving it and, you know, coming into corrections and, you know, there are still people that are in the reserves that are, you know, they're doing both. Um, And just to kind of see how that takes a toll on you, um, takes a toll on you physically, mentally, emotionally, you're... You know, your relationships, your, you know, your ability to parent, your ability to be a friend, your ability to be a good employee, mm-hmm. um, you know, all of those things take a toll. And I don't think we, um, I don't think we do a really good job at taking care of ourselves.
0: That, that situation, it's like you're leaving the military, right? You might do 10 years, 20 years or whatever it is, depending on how old you are. You do 10 years in the military and then you go into corrections. It's like you jumping out of the frying pan into the fire because you're leaving one, you know, situation, stressful environment environment, (laughs) and you're jumping right into another one. So how could you not, you know, find yourself stressed out and, you know, needing to speak to somebody and talk to somebody about you know, what's going on. I know they say a lot of times just, you know, when you at work, you, you know, you focus at work, but then you leave work at work. You don't take it home with you. Right. But we both know that right there is
1: that you can't. You it's can't. hard. It's very, very difficult because a lot mm-hmm. of times things that happen at work do affect your home life and vice versa. Things that, you know, you're that are going on at home affect you at work. And, you know, while, yes, it would be great to say we're going to just put each of these things in these little compartments. And when we're done, we're going to lock it up and put it to the side. But it doesn't work like that.
0: Right. It does not. It definitely does um, not.
1: Um, so, I- I, you know, one of the good things that I was able to do was to work with um, my job has a critical incident stress management team. Um, And it's basically the gist of it is to provide um, resources to individuals when there's like a critical incident, um, Mm -hmm. which could be any and everything. Um, But it has given me the opportunity to be able to support my coworkers. Um, So, yes, I enjoy my work. I like working with the inmates for the most part, but you know, I have a special place for my coworkers and I, you know, I want to see them be well and I want to see them doing well. So, you know, when I, when I notice that they're not, or, you know, that people are struggling a little bit, I am grateful that I had the opportunity to be able to talk to them and be a support to them. Because at the end of the day, if they're not okay, you know, Mm -hmm. our safety and everybody wants to get home at the end of the day. And, you know, if we're not a hundred percent that, you know, that,
0: that can translate. increases
1: the chances of us not doing that. So, right. you know, I, you know, I try as much as I can to devote time to, you know, checking in with my coworkers and, you know, I have a few coworkers that, you know, will say, Hey, I you know, I just needed to talk. Thank you. You're one of the only people that I was able to talk about some of these things that are going on in, you know, in my life. So to be able to be a support for them is, you know, that's honestly one of the highlights of my days is, you know, being able to support my coworkers because we don't do a good job at all, Hmm. at all. Um, And I don't think the systems in place, Hmm. (laughs) I think that, you know, the systems in place that employ us, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really what Shit could benefit from You know looking more deeply At how the job affects Our own well-being And being able to support Us more Effectively mm-hmm. In managing those things Right
0: Yeah it's, it's definitely a needed um a, a, a Process You know we definitely have to have a process Put in place where you know employees can can get the help that they need um so as far as you're concerned like I know there are um you know opportunities for you to help your coworkers. but how about how about you like wh- where do you go when things get rough or you had a bad day or you know mm-hmm. You know, you just need somebody to talk to. Like, do you have a support system for that?
1: I I do. And, you know, I am a big proponent. of. I think that everybody should experience therapy at some point in their life. Um, but therapy is part of my, um, you know, my self-care. And I don't go as consistently as I would like to. Um, but I remember, like, going in grade. I was in grade school. I was working two jobs. I was going to school part-time. And I had to do an internship. And I remember meeting with my internship coordinator explaining, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I need help trying to manage this. And she basically was like, You need to quit your job and take out loans so you can do your internship. Okay. And I'm like, Ma'am, what world do you live in that you think that is like a reasonable option? <laughs> I have a, you know, at that point, I had an apartment, I had a car, I was living on my own. I was in a job that I like doing. So you mean you want me to quit my job mm. and take out loans? Like, just think about the amount of money I would have had to take out in loans to survive for a year mm. not working. Like, that's not that's not going to happen. But I I specifically remember driving to work in tears mm. for days at a time because I'm like, I just don't know how I'm going to manage this. I don't know how I'm going to do it all and you know the school is not helping me nobody understands what i'm going through you know my friends want me to come hang out and i can't hang out because i'm in school you know right. i just i just like i felt like i was in it by myself um so that you know that was the first time i went to therapy and i was like listen i i don't know what i'm going to do um and for me it's just ha- having the opportunity to talk to somebody that doesn't have a course in the race you know they don't care either way what decision i make they're just there to be a sounding board um you know they don't care either way whatever outcome they're you know they're they're vested in you know your own well-being but the details of whatever decision you make doesn't necessarily make them a difference whichever way you go so having that kind of impartial person to talk to um Exercise has been one of my biggest saving greases, um, and now at this point, I want to say maybe five or so years ago, I re- I started ex- uh, working out, and I got real heavy into the gym. Okay. Um, and that was like the one place where I didn't have to think, I didn't have to, you know, I could just go and be and to do a workout and you know to clear my mind for an hour, two hours whatever it is, you know, was time that I made sure that I worked into my schedule and it was non-negotiable. Like I was going, one in the fact that I was paying for training sessions, but Mm -hmm. you know, I, (laughs) for me to be at my best, I need to go to the gym. Like I can work my schedule around, but like I have to go. Um, and not just being in the gym, but the friendships that I built from that um, because I was going to a small gym at the time, Nike's Gym in East Falls.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it was like a very close knit um, gym. So the friends that I've made, the connections that I made there, accountability like, if you didn't go to the gym for a couple of days, people was calling you, you know, hitting hey, you where up you on at? social media. I see you you where you've been, like, what's going on, right? Um, so working out, um, spending just spending time with my family and friends. Um, making sure I make time for that, um, self care, whether it was you know going to get a massage once a month, taking myself out to eat, um, just doing something for myself
0: yoga, um, right? Yoga is another yeah, one, yeah.
1: Yoga, um, I started doing meditation and mindfulness, um, so trying to incorporate those into my daily life. Just giving myself a routine. Right, right, uh, right, right. Those are, you know, those were the things that I had to put things in place, structure in place, um, to be able to manage everything. Because I had, you know, I had a lot going on. Even now, you know, I'm working multiple jobs. Um, I did start. I started a nonprofit. Um, that I'm sure we'll talk about a little later.
2: Mm-hmm, of
1: course. Um, but you know, still trying to manage my friends, my family, all of those things. Um, so just trying to set aside and be very intentional, mm-hmm. um, about making time, um, and being open and honest with my supports. Um, Hey, this is what I know. I haven't seen you in a while. This is what's going on. Um, you know, and I will say I have a really good set of friends, too, that will call me and say, hey, I haven't heard from you for a while in a while. I'm just checking on you, making sure you're OK. Um, you know, let's go eat. We haven't hung out in a while. You know, I have one girlfriend that sends me funny videos every day, and that's what we do. We send each other funny mm-hmm. videos. And, it's you know, uh, you be amazed how much, you know, watching a one minute Instagram video can kind of help you know, brighten your mood, even if it's just for a couple minutes,
0: man. So you just said a whole lot, like you, you touched on a lot of different things that I want to speak on. Um, one of the things you mentioned was mindfulness, right? And Mm -hmm. that's like a a term that I'm just now really getting acquainted with. I'm hearing for the first time, you know, like this year, within the last year or whatever, um, mindfulness, um, emotional intelligence um you know these is like terms phrases that i'm hearing right so mindfulness can can you just real brief touch on what that actually is like because right i think it's important you know for us to to know what that that definition is
1: right so mindfulness is the ability to kind of just be fully and uh fully present and aware of where we are, what we're doing, um, you know, our body in the moment.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: A lot of times with everything, people are always doing multiple things. Like, even now as I'm talking to you, I have the TV on. I'm not really paying attention to it, but it's on. Mm-hmm. Um, we're always trying to multitask, right? Right. right? And I think we we lose a lot of times. We forget to be present and pay attention in the moment.
2: Yes. Um, yes. so
1: mindful is you know mindfulness is just the practice of being aware of what's going on in the present yes um you know whether it's body sensations being aware of your breathing being aware of you know body sensations how you're feeling connecting your mind and body together being aware of the environment that's around you the sounds the You know, the smells, the things that you feel around you. I'll never forget. I, from my house to the highway, I drove down this road, this street, almost every single day. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And one day, randomly, I had, there was a hotel on the right-hand side. Mm -hmm. And I forget what it was before. And one day, I happened to notice that the name of the hotel changed. And I'm like, well, when the hell did this happen? Like, I literally drive past it every day. Mm -hmm. How did I not notice that this hotel is a completely different name? They remodeled the outside. And it's because, like, you're always constantly on go, doing Mm -hmm. multiple things. Like, so you just don't, you're you're not always paying attention to what's going on around you. Like, you see it but you're not really paying attention not paying attention right
0: which is um, that drives me crazy like especially when like it's somebody that i'm working with or somebody that i'm having a conversation with and i'm trying to like i don't i'm the type of person like i don't really speak much right i don't really talk much because i feel right. like you know what i mean i just don't want to talk about anything right like I don't I don't do small talk. So if I'm saying something to somebody, chances are it's pretty important, right? Or oh, I feel it's important. And then mm-hmm. that person is not like listening or that person is distracted or if somebody interrupts me while I'm talking, that, that just drives me crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like right. that's just one of my pet peeves. So <laughs> being, being my, having mindfulness, I think is very very important. I I like you said like you know just to be in tune with your thoughts and your feelings and the, the sounds and the sense like your senses is like fully engaged, you know mm-hmm. and everything that's going on around you and, and within you. So I think that's a big uh a big thing to yeah um, so while we're
1: talking about it, um it's funny because like one of the things that I notice about myself is in a lot of people like we tend to hold tension in our shoulders absolutely like your shoulders are hunched and you don't realize it so i am you know one of the things that i've been practicing or you know trying to be aware of um recently is like release you know relaxing my shoulders (sighs) you'd be amazed like especially you know new york philly in the wintertime and you bundled up you got your shoulders up to your ears (laughs) and like you hold that tension there and i didn't realize how much i was doing it until I started paying attention.
2: Right. right.
1: Um, so, you know, one of the, one of my favorite mindfulness activities, which I'm going to give you a little tidbit okay, okay. Um, and things to incorporate is called five senses. Okay. Um, so one of the things that, one of the areas that mindfulness helps is with like people that have experienced trauma or, you know, anxiety. Um, but it helps, honestly, people anywhere and at any time. But at any point when I feel like overwhelmed, whether it's whatever is going on, I just feel like I'm overwhelmed. I am, I got a lot going on. I'll take a minute and do what we call five senses. Okay. And what you're going to do is, you know, identify five things you can see, Okay. four things you can hear, three things you can feel, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste and it kind of triggers your brain to kind of come back into the moment um, mm. and focus, even if it's just for, you know, 30 seconds, 45 seconds, a minute to go through the five senses.
0: So so you do it in that order and until until you, 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 you accomplish all of it or like.
1: yep, So, yep, you just go through five, you know, five things you can see, four mm. things you can hear, three things you feel. Two you can smell, one you can taste. And, you know, it's something that you don't even have to do out loud. You can just, right. you know, make note of them to yourself. Right. Um, you know, what some people do is like they'll keep small pieces of candy, you know, in their pocket. So when they start to get overwhelmed and they get to the, you know, your one, your the thing you can taste pop a peppermint in your mouth and you know just pay attention to what that you know what those sensations are mm-hmm. um you know feel the texture of the clothing on your body feel your feet on the ground you know you can run your hands along the you know the wall or the table or the chair or whatever you're sitting on or you know just different things that are different textures around the area that you're in um okay, okay. you know pay attention to the sounds that you hear Um, what was three three things you can feel and and smell and taste right
0: look at that that's what's up man so i try and
1: do it at least once a day
0: okay all right i'm Um, gonna i'm gonna start trying that thank you for that appreciate it um one of the other things you said was uh, being intentional right being intentional being like purposeful with your actions and your thoughts and your words like I feel like that's another thing that I'm working on. You know, if I say I'm going to do something, I want to make sure and do it. Um, If I want to make time for family, friends, you know, I'm going to make sure and do that as well. Like, there's there's too much of this, oh, I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to put it off Mm -hmm. the next week, you know, because, man, I tell you, some people, they don't get to see next week.
1: They don't. Right. Yeah. And if anything, COVID, I will say, has put a lot of things into perspective.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um because literally things changed almost overnight. Mm-hmm. Like our world was turned upside down. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the things that we take for granted, being able to give somebody a hug, giving somebody a high five. Shoot, having pe you know, I live, you know, at the time I was living alone. Mm-hmm. I was like, wait, like I'm okay with being alone by myself. I don't necessarily need to be around a lot of people, but when you're telling me I can't like it gets real lonely mm-hmm. um, and you know you just don't realize how much you interact with people in the world until you can't
0: right right right, yeah, and that can definitely have an effect on your mental health like I remember early early in um the pandemic. I don't remember her name, but it was like a country singer. Young young country singer, probably no more than twenty five, and she committed suicide because she just could not adapt to the fact that she had to quarantine. Like right. and this was just one person that I happened to hear of and who knows mm-hmm. how many hundreds of other people that might have right. yeah suffered the same you know, same fate, same consequences, just because you know they're forced to like isolate themselves. If you're a people person, like literally, if you're right, if you're a social person, a social butterfly, like you thrive on interaction with friends and family, like you live off of that. And then now all of a sudden, you're forced to stay home, you're forced to, you know, you don't want to get your elderly, you know, your grandparents sick, so you got to stay away from them, you can't go visit them. That could that could be, you know a toll that could take a toll on you on your mental health so. Absolutely. that's no Absolutely. joke that's no joke um, yep. you mentioned something else you mentioned uh, you and one of your friends you guys share like funny videos right um, mm-hmm. to help I guess you know get through the day brighten your mood just to like bring a little humor to your day right so the flip side of that is people that share um, I guess negative videos Right, mm-hmm. I have, I have, you know, I'm in a couple of different group chats, you know, my friends or whatever, and you know, sometimes they will post certain videos with no disclaimer, right? Right. No, no. Hey, hey this is a video about such and such and such or graphic content. You know what I'm saying? Something. Mm-hmm. It'll just be a regular video, and then you know, you just assume that you know he wants to show me something that I might enjoy or you know might get a kick up and I open the video and it's somebody that's like getting shot up right or or, or a dead body on the ground bloody dead. I'm like bro you can't you can't be doing that yo you got to right you know what I'm saying because I think like when you see those type of images you, you, it does something to you it does something mm-hmm. to your, your your mental state it does it it, it messes up your energy you know what i'm saying like it, mm-hmm. it's not something that we should be like so easy to share like why are you sending this to me like why what what what, what do you why do you think i really want to see this you know what i'm saying right. so what, what what's
1: technology your... has definitely been a gift and a curse
0: oh yeah um,
1: 100% you know because in some ways like i get people wanting to share like things that are going on in the world but you know, on the other hand, is do we really need to see every gory detail to know that, you know, these things are going on? Absolutely. Um, not. And because I don't know, I feel like some of it is like we've become so desensitized to it. Um, you know, especially people that are living these experiences in their real life. So, you know, to see a dead body on a video is nothing because I've seen, you know, a whole bunch of them in my real life, right? Or you know whether it's based on the environment, the the community that you live in, the work that you do, um, you know, for whatever reason. Um, but I think it's important to be able to set boundaries with yourself and other people. That's a fact. Like, I, <laughs> listen, can you just give me a heads up? Like, this is what you're about to show because some days I'm just like that might be the day where this is just like it's just too much it's too much
0: yeah you know um, what I'm and i think we
1: we need to be able we have to take time to disconnect we got you know you got to take care of yourself and i don't think people recognize like the effect that seeing these images has on them mm-hmm. um and you know how it like you said how it can affect your mood and your energy um, so, you know, it's important to have these conversations to talk about what's going on in the world, but also to know when you, you know, when you need to take a break, that doesn't mean that you don't care about what's going on, but you also have to, you know, protect your own wellness and well-being.
0: That's a fact. Girl. I, I, I 100% believe that to be true. Um, and I know, so I, you
1: know, I did notice that recently, like Instagram has been doing like trigger warnings and, you know, Making, you know, letting you know that something might be disturbing and giving you the option to click on it if you want to instead of just like scrolling and this is all you see. So, right. you know, I definitely do appreciate those efforts.
0: Right, right. And and I know some people, they're, they're, like you said, they're desensitized to that. It doesn't affect them in that way. Like they're not, you know, wired like that where seeing these images are going to have a, a negative effect or lasting, you know, negative effect on them. At least maybe subconsciously it is, but they don't even recognize right. that it is, you know? Right. So I, I, I just make sure and tell people like, sometimes people will send stuff in the chat and I just won't even open it. Like if mm-hmm. it just like, if it doesn't have like a clear definition of what it is, right. I don't even open it. There. <laughs> and if they don't say anything, then I was like, okay, it must not have been that serious, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's definitely something we got to be mindful of. We got to be careful of. I think um, respect respect each other's mental space. Right. You know that's a big deal for me. Um. So, heart to heal.
1: Yes.
0: What is heart to heal?
1: So the heart to heal incorporated is a non-profit that I founded back in May so we are almost coming on a year, one year anniversary. of the Heart to Hill being a thing right, right. Um. so like I talked about earlier is like recognizing the need that the people that help people aren't good at taking care of themselves right Um. so the Heart so, to so Heal wait, say that
0: one more time the people oh, that take care of people
1: don't take care of themselves don't
0: take care of themselves man
1: something along those lines right no that's that's a fact though (laughs)
0: like I definitely agree with that statement man I know a lot of people like a lot of central workers right Mm -hmm. that this past year has been like the worst year ever I think everybody pretty much on this planet can say last year was like the worst year ever You, you think like I thought about that I was like who can say like last year was a good year you know what I'm saying like I think everybody like 99 percent, 99.9 percent of the population would be like last year was
1: the worst year ever so last year was rough um i definitely want people to also kind of recognize that there was a, i can't say for everybody but you know i think there was some good that came out of last year whether it was you know taking time to slow down whether it was being you know making an effort to reconnect with people whether true, in person true. or virtually
2: true I'll um you that.
1: know people pivoting their businesses and true. you know creating businesses and Cre- people waking up alive every day true. um taking
0: taking not, not taking waking up for granted anymore right right starting the heart to uh, heal right
1: yeah so while 2020 and even now into 2021 has definitely been a year that I don't think anybody will forget. Mm-mm. Um, it, It's been a year. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so the Heart to Hill. So yeah, so the Heart to Hill. The, the Heart to Hill grew out of my desire to help people that are helping other people, um, whether it's my peers. So the focus is um, on providing support to mental health providers. So the counselors, the therapists, the social workers, that are doing the work, that are in the field, that are doing the work. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, you know, anybody in the helping field, um, you know, people that are helping other people that don't necessarily give themselves the same grace and the same care that they're giving to others. Okay. Um, So we've just, you know, I've been working on trying to build it and trying to figure out, so I'm not going to lie. The Heart to Hill started on a whim. Right. It was an idea that I had. Like, I knew I wanted to do something to help other people. I wasn't sure how or what exactly it is that I wanted to do. And listen, my first stimulus check I got, I was like, well, since I got this extra money, I might as well utilize it for, you know, something that I've been wanting to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I used it to start, you know, to fund the, the startup for the Heart to Hill. Without a, I'm not going to lie. I didn't really have a plan for how it was going to go. I just was like, this is, you know, this is what it is. It's my idea. I'm going to, you know, jump first and I'll figure it out Mm -hmm. later. As you go. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, that has been what the past year has been is just trying to figure out how exactly, you know, what help is it that when I needed it that I would like to see or that I would like to have. So, You know, just trying to figure out how I'm going to use my platform to help the helpers. Um, And not just help the helpers, but to have these conversations and to change the the narrative for mental health. Um, And that's where this saying, um, healing takes heart, grew out. Because healing is... It, it literally takes heart like it takes courage to be able to do the work to start to heal yourself okay um, and go go through the healing process um and it takes a special kind of person um a special kind of heart to be able to help other people heal in their own journeys right um so you know just my goal is, and my hope is to help to build people's heart to be able to do the work that they need to do to become you know the best versions of themselves. Right, right, right.
0: Okay, I like that. So,
1: out of that, out of that is our very first initiative that I am working on called Sheer Balance. Sheer Balance. Uh, yes. Yeah, so,
0: oh, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: I'm just, I was just <laughs> so- when I when
0: I heard you talk about it that first time, mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, this is a dope idea." You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. it's it's essentially bringing help to the people to the community mm-hmm. you know what i mean all right but go ahead go ahead i'm sorry
1: so um independence blue cross economy league they had a well city challenge that they presented uh, i want to say it was in like the fall of last year looking for ideas for how to address mental health and mental wellness Um, overall health, physical, mental, um, and specifically the millennial population of Philadelphia. So I had this idea that I had been thinking about even before the Well City Challenge about bringing mental health services to um, the community by way of beauty and barbershops. So it started as, again, the Heart to Heal, the focus is on helping the helper. is that beauticians, hairstylists, barbers, they are like the unofficial therapists for the community, Um, especially within the minority community. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I am like, I am 33. And in my 33 years of life, I think I've had five hairstylists or barbers total. Um, one so, of the most consistent total like in my whole life my first hairdresser was my hairdresser till i was like 16.
0: right when you find Before, that person you trust you, you when you, you, you
1: find th- that person you stick with them you stick with um them. you stick with them um and these people are one there's a certain there's a, a level of trust that you uh you develop with this person because you're trusting them to to transform you to take care of your hair right which for a lot of people is something that's very important to them. Um, these people have seen you a lot of times at your worst right They've helped you to you know get to your best because sometimes you know how there how many times I can think of where I was not feeling great. Um, and it was something as simple as changing my hair a new hairstyle, a new hair color, that kind of, you know, it wasn't a, a fix to the problem, but it, you know, it put me in a better mood. It, You know, it gave me that little bit of push that I needed to kind of get myself out of whatever feeling down I might've been going through at the time. Right. Um. You know, if you're going to see your stylist, your barber, you go, what, once a week, every two weeks, once a month, you know, you, you're going consistently um so this person is ain't there's such a vital part of your life right um you know how many different conversations about life love loss everything in between happens in the shop on a saturday morning Right. you know a lot of times you're in there with the same clients they had the same appointments every week so you know about their kids their yeah. significant other their job their parents their car issues their job issues their whatever issues that they have going on the wedding um, uh, the, the,
0: the births the deaths right all the, of that.
1: And, absolutely all right. um so my i my goal was to be able to support hairstylists and barbers in doing the work that they're already doing Okay. You know, they're already playing this therapist role. They're already actively listening. They're already providing empathy. They're already, you know, providing feedback. They're providing a listening ear. They're providing a safe space. But, you know, they don't get training in, okay, what do I do if somebody's having a crisis? These, you know, a lot of these skills that they have are kind of innate and is built into building the relationship um, that they have with their clientele. Which is honestly what therapy is. It's building a therapeutic connection, building rapport, um, and creating safe spaces for people. So they're doing the work, right? Um, and the idea is to train them in first aid, mental health first aid, which is an international program that teaches community members, you know, just the average person, how to respond to um, or how to kind of deal with or help somebody that's having. A mental health crisis until help comes so you know the idea is not for you to be able to provide therapy for the person and i you know i'm not expecting you to fix their problem but i you know it's teaching you how to help this person um de-escalate a situation until help can be provided by professionals whether it's getting them to a crisis center whether it's you know getting them to the point that they are able to schedule an appointment with a therapist you know whatever it may be um but you know giving them the skills to be able to help that person in the moment right right
0: i think i think that right there is um is very necessary right because of everything you just said how when you find a barber or a stylist how you build this bond you know there's this connection with that person and um Mm -hmm. if that person is 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 trained and you know able to um provide not like you know obviously not therapeutic um like not not from a, a therapeutic point of view where they're, they're therapists, you know, you know that they're not right therapists, but you know, just words, you know, kind words, um, you know, purposeful with their with their intentions, you know, showing that, you know, they're 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 listening and that they, they can you know offer some assistance, you know?
1: Right. It's the same thing with regular first aid. Like how many times have we done first aid classes where you know, if you get a cut, how do you, you know, what do you do when a person gets a cut? Right. When, some, you know, if somebody has a burn, what do you do? How do you, you know, what do you do?
0: You have, you you're have not basic... expected to be
1: a doctor. <laughs> and Like, I'm not expecting you to, they're not expecting you to stitch the person up or perform, perform, perform surgery. surgery right. It's to, you know, to manage the situation until, you know, the person can get to professional help, And that's the same idea behind mental health first aid.
0: Yeah, that's a a dope idea. And so, is it just going to be in the Philly area? Like, where are you at with it right now? Is it
1: something? So, yeah. So, right now, I just recently. This was week two of. So, okay, let's take back. So, this was the idea that I had. Um, and then in March, from the month of February, I had to the opportunity to work with an amazing mentor, um, Okay. and we Curtis. were able to yes we were able to work on developing the idea and doing research um you know kind of developing the, the, the idea more um and I had the opportunity to pitch in part of a virtual pitch competition um in which I had the opportunity to win, which I did. I won a $10,000 stipend or grant to be able to kind of start working on developing a pilot for the idea. And I also moved on to a accelerator program. That's
0: what's up. Um, Congrats. So it's
1: myself. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So it's myself. And I think it's five or six other teams and various categories um, that will be working on a Three month accelerator program um, with the idea is to have the program piloted um, and starting to, you know, provide services, um, run the program at the end of the three months. Um, and then we'll also have an opportunity to do another Shark Tank esque pitch um, to win up to $50,000 in seed money to continue to um, develop the program. So, right now where I am so I um you know I have a group of people that I know that are already certified in mental health first aid um but I'm also going to be doing the training course to be able to um teach mental health mental health first aid so that's scheduled for June um then my goal is by the end of June to start working with Um, some of the salons and barbers that I've been in contact with um, during this process about getting their staff trained um, in mental mental health first aid. Um, You know, my ultimate goal is for there to be some type of mental health training as part of the initial training for stylists and barbers. So as Part of that, you know, initial schooling, that initial Beats, licensure process
2: um, to integrate
1: some type of mental health training um, at this, you know, the systemic level. That's because dope. the reality is, you know, these people listen to people problems all day, Um, you know, a lot of times. And I want them to be able to, one, not only help. Um, better help their clientele, but to also take care of themselves, um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: because you know when you're listening to other people and the things that they have going on, it you know it whether you know it or not, um, it, it starts to take a toll on you. Um, yeah. So I... I just want I I just want to make sure that everybody is okay, so that they can continue to do the amazing work that they are doing um, in the community.
0: Yeah, man. That's dope for real. Um, you guys gotta let me know if you need any help. Um, yes,
2: I will. Anything I
0: can do. Um, definitely share it on my um, my network. You know, within my network, I should say. Share it uh, on my, my, my page and all that good stuff. Because um, obviously, I know a couple barbers um, that would definitely, I think, be interested in doing something like that uh, they definitely like the, the one particular barber that i know shout out to clay he, he's he's big in uh, in the community you know he's, he's definitely somebody that i can see taking on the type of role of you know of what you're you're talking about with sheer balance
1: yes definitely um, you know I would love to be, you know, once everything gets up and rolling, to be able to travel, to be able to bring this across the country um, until, like I said, we can get it into part of the initial training Mm -hmm.
2: um, and Mm -hmm. licensure
1: process. um, Mm -hmm. Because I think it's going to, you know, I think there's a need. I think it's going to be beneficial. Um, and it doesn't really take much effort. The mental health first aid training is a, I believe it's an eight hour training, okay, one and done. Okay. Um, but to be able to build a support network, um, you know, in part, in part of this process, I, you know, in doing research, I came across the confess project, which is, um, initiative that was developed by, I believe his name is Lorenzo and he's down South. Um, and he started bringing mental health workshops, um, into barbershops, um, you know, so I've been following the work that he's doing and I'm fortunate enough to be able to, um, actually have a meeting with him coming up in May sometime in the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, just to kind of see the, you know, the work, get more information about the work that he's doing, you know, ways to see, the work grow um and to continue to build upon their mission my mission and you know
0: help the community right i mean this is the type of work that you would want to like reach out to and you know network and um just kind of like share ideas i would think right because at the end of the day for the greater good of the community you know right it's not like the type of um initiative where you want to like keep it all to yourself and right you're afraid that you know if you share it with a particular person they're going to steal your idea i'm like mm-hmm. steal this idea you know what i'm saying like if you if you <laughs> if you hear about it and you think this is a good idea go ahead and rip it off and do it in your community right. because that would literally you know that can be the difference you helping somebody? And I'm also
1: about working smarter and not harder. So, you know, if there's somebody that's already, you know, out there doing some of the work, you know, what's Mm -hmm. the point in reinventing the wheel? Mm -hmm. And, you know, just building upon and trying to make those connections so that we're not doing double work. And Mm -hmm. I just want to get and do the work. Like, I just want to help the people.
0: Because it's a need for it. It's definitely a need for it. I I remember. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, I just was saying I, I really just want, you know, my ultimate goal is I just like having these conversations. Like I want people to to improve their mental health. I want people to feel comfortable enough talking about mental health. Right. Um, because one of the things, even in my own personal experience and, you know, my own therapeutic processes, and definitely in, you know, the African American community, there's like these family secrets. Um you know, you know, uncle, uncle Joe went away for a little bit, or, you know, aunt Sue got her, you know, she, she'd be going through some things. No, we really need to sit down and have these conversations about what's going on in our families, because there are some, you know, there are some conditions where there's a genetic component to it. So I need to know, you know, I need to know what's going on in my family. Just like I know whether people have diabetes or hypertension i need to know what you know what are the mental health things that run in my family
2: hmm.
1: so that i can be you know break these generational i'm not going to say generational curses but you know break these generational things um so that we can all like there's no need to suffer
0: it's it's, it's conditions you know, right it's conditions that can be addressed and that can be you know, fixed if you have all the information that you need. Like, like you said, it is definitely (laughs) genetics. Like you, you, you have people who go through certain traumas, right. And are in toxic relationships in the household or whatever the case is. And you got the babies growing up seeing this you know Mm -hmm. they're seeing this this type of trauma and you know they may think oh this is regular behavior they may think oh, this is the way things are supposed to be because this is you know this is what i i grew up around and then you know the cycle continues you know the kids they grow up and they're conducting themselves in a manner in a way that obviously is not what is is healthy, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's not a healthy way to be growing up. Um mm-hmm. it's basically what I'm trying to say. Like let's not, you know hide the fact. Let's not, you know, act like it's not the problem is not there. When you know it is, let's let's right. fix the problem, you
1: know. And you don't know what you don't know. True. Um true. You don't know what you don't know. So that's why, you know, educating the community, having these conversations is so important. Um, because like you said, these are things that can be fixed. We can develop skills to be able to cope. We can improve our situation. Um, you know, we don't have to suffer. And, you know, when we talk about barriers, the mental health treatment, if you're not talking about these things, you don't know to go get help. Well, if you don't know that you need help, the the help's not out there, right? But if you have people that that now know, okay, there are some things that I need to improve on, well, then that's justification for bringing these services, you know, bringing these services to the community, paying the people that provide these services to the community, um, you know, funding for programs like Share Balance and, you know, all the other initiatives that are going around to address mental health. And mental wellness like the need is out there we just don't know that we you know we don't know what we need i know you know <laughs> you know
0: it's right it, it's when you talk about like it's across the board but with black folks specifically like african-american families like caribbean families They have, like you said, they have tendencies to, like, keep everything bottled up and Mm -hmm. to be, you know, it's it's, it's shameful, right? Some of the things that go on in the household is is, is shameful to them. So they don't want to tell nobody nothing. They don't want to tell their friends that they having problems or they don't want to go see... Mm -hmm. A, a therapist and be like, listen, I need help with this. I, you know, mm-hmm. this this uncle is abusive and, you know, mm-hmm. the, you know, verbally abusive, physically abusive, you know, whatever, whatever the case is, right. they just try to keep it to themselves. Um, So like you said, like barriers, you know, that's one of the barriers, mm-hmm. you know, not mm-hmm. being able to admit that there's an issue, right? Trying, right. hesitating from going and seeking, you know, treatment um, that you, you definitely need, you know, you kind of know you need it, but you're just ashamed to admit that you need it. Um, Mm -hmm. maybe it's, maybe it's the cost of it, right? Because a lot of the therapy that we're talking about, you know, not all of it is covered by insurance, right? Right. Yeah. So, so which is crazy to me, right. And hopefully there could be laws and legislation put in place that 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 changes that because mm-hmm. if i can go to the doctor if i have a cold if i can go to the doctor because i have i don't know upset stomach or whatever kidney stones right why, why can't i go if i have um you know a, a stressful situation like you know right a, a situation listen, that's
1: i know the importance of therapy it wasn't in my budget <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's the reality, like the reality is like, yes, I think it's a service that is well worth it. And you know, yeah, people should be compensated. The reality is, you know, the price of therapy out of pocket was not something that was in my budget. Right. Um. So, you know, if it, it is something that you're interested in doing, asking about sliding scales, you know, a lot of private practices, Sometimes they'll offer a sliding scale based on your income, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and so they won't you don't have to pay full price. Um, If you have a health savings account, um, using those funds to help fund uh, mental health services, um, a lot of jobs. Um, Some employers have employee assistance programs um, Mm -hmm. where they'll give you, you know, three or four free sessions and then you just pay a copay after that. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, So, you know, asking your employer about what services are provided. There's a lot of organizations um, that provide mental health services. In Philadelphia, there is um, Black Men Heal um, and they provide, I believe it is eight therapy sessions. Um, free of call to men of color, and I believe they are not located just in Philadelphia. That's, um, dope. That's dope. I think you know they're starting to expand. Um, there's another one that I just saw. It's called um. This one, I can't think of it now.
0: Is it? Um, it's not Hill House, is it? You ever heard? have heard
1: of Hill House. I've heard of it, but I'm not really familiar with them. Um, I think
0: I think they're based out of New York. I'm pretty sure that they, they're based out of New York.
1: Uh, the Black Brain Campaign is in Philadelphia. They also offer a handful. I want to say maybe four, six, eight. I'm not sure the number off the top of my head, but in the Philadelphia area, um, they offer um, free therapy sessions. Um, Black Girls Heal, listen, if you can't make it the to therapy, there are podcasts, there are social media pages, there are uh-huh. resources available to you to, you know, supplement um, and to kind of get you some of the sources, some of the the skills, some tips, some tricks um, to help you manage um, your mental wellness. Um, black girls and the black, what is it? Black girls in therapy and um, think i just made it up let me, let me look <laughs> before i be out here giving people the wrong information well and um, and, and it's
0: important that we mentioned that the the the, the reason why heal house is important and you know the heart to heal is important is because you we have people out here that they already have issues with talking about their feelings and talking about mm-hmm. you know personal information so if you have people that look like them right If you have African-American therapists out there, women and men that are out there, that alone can provide opportunities, you know, and, you know, a way for people to go out there and seek the therapy that they need. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of people are very hesitant to go and and put their business
1: out there. And you know what? The crazy thing is when you, now that you say that, like, people are so hesitant to go to therapy or say i don't want to talk to a therapist i don't want to tell them all of my business but how many people like will go to the bar and tell their after a hard night and tell the bartender about you know their day and all the stresses of life you don't know that person from a can of paint and it took time to be able to develop a rapport with that person your hairdresser your barber You didn't know them when you first met them. Like you didn't just start off by telling them your whole life story. It took time to build, build that relationship. It's the same thing with therapy. It's a relationship you build. You're not, we're not expecting you to come in and tell me your whole life story after five minutes of meeting you, you know, you, you start to, you, you decide how much you want to share. You know, you're not tied to a therapist. You're not marrying them. So if you go see somebody and it's not a good fit, that's okay. You can go somewhere else. Like it, you don't have to be stuck with just one person.
0: Right. Um, That's a good point. I went through that. I I, I was seeing mm -hmm. a therapist. This was probably four years ago. I I saw a therapist, you know, black dude, older dude. Um, But the age gap was, Mm -hmm. was a little bit too much for me you know what I'm saying so sometimes you find that black guy right you think right. that you know this is a dude that can relate you know he might have been you know in certain situations that you were in so the things that he might help you with you know it'll be on point but then for me personally the age gap was like a little bit too much you know mm-hmm. his 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 generation was right Way different from my generation, so you know that didn't work out. I think I went to two. I gave him two two sessions. After the second right. session, I was like, "Nah, let me go find somebody else." And I found another dude and um, younger. Um, you know, he was still older than me, but a lot closer in age, and mm-hmm. it helped. You know, I think that it made a big difference. So don't get discouraged. Don't just automatically right. be like, "Nah, I did it. I tried it one time, and that's it. It doesn't work."
1: Um, and trust and believe as a therapist like our feelings are not going to be hurt if we're not a good fit for you because ultimately like this is a service to help you and you need to get help from it so if you're not comfortable or if it's not a good fit it's okay It, it trust me it's okay we'd much rather see you move on to get the help that you need than to be stuck with somebody that you know isn't a good fit and everybody's not a good fit for everybody right, right um right. you know and and
0: and it as, is
1: what it
0: is. as far as that whole telling your business stuff like to me it just don't make sense that you go and tell your your bff what's going on you know you don't go and tell your 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 best friends and your sister your brother whatever was going on and and not be able to tell a professional like because to me like you have people that are telling their business to their friends so-called friends and right. their friends is running around spreading it to right. the whole neighborhood right? right
1: so there's this level of confidentiality yeah. that you have that your, you know your therapist is bound to yeah. with some exceptions um but those are things that are explained to you. But like, you don't have to worry about, you know, your therapist going and telling all your business. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: because, because, you know,
1: and it. again, they don't have, a, they don't have a stake in anything. In like, anything. They, don't, <laughs> they don't, they don't, I mean, they care because they want you to, you know, to be great. But whatever decision, if it's a relationship problem, they don't care if you stick with the person or leave. They're not vested in it. They don't have that same level of you know, commitment to the situation, you know, there's a commitment to you and wanting to see you grow, but you know, the situation itself, they're not necessarily, they're unbiased in it. Um, They can give you an unbiased opinion because you you know, your friends and your family, they have their own, their own, you know, sometimes their own agendas that may want to sway you one way or another. Um, And honestly, there are some things that I don't feel comfortable talking to, you know, my family and friends about, not because I can't go to them. It's just certain things I just, I don't necessarily want them to know. But, you know, there are things that I have to, I need to get out, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I need somebody that I need, that I can go to. Um, What if my issue is with my friend? Like, I can't go tell my, you know, and I'm having trouble with how do i explain or how do i you know talk through this issue with the person Uh that is the issue (laughs) you know what i mean um
0: yeah i agree i definitely so
1: yeah there there's there's benefits to it um and like i said i think everybody at some point in their life should experience um the therapeutic process
0: I concur one hundred percent. We we as black folk have been through so much trauma, um, ye- hundreds of years, you know, of trauma, um, and you know within the last few years, you know, with the with the with the advent of social media, we're seeing it now. Like, it's always been going on. Don't get it confused. It's always been there. It's just now right. we're seeing it now, on on a almost damn near daily basis. Right? It's like. Every time you, you you log on, it's another incident, another racial incident, and that only basically happened because of the color of our skin. That's what it boils down to, you know. So the right. trauma, the trauma is is, is, is there, it's, it's it's present, and it needs to be addressed. You know, you have to have to take the time out to um, take care of your mental health, one hundred percent. So man this was dope this was dope um give me how can i get in contact with you how can the people reach out to you give me uh, your, so, your 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 info
1: <laughs> so my info i can be filmed on instagram at the heart to heal um, with a period after each word the dot hearts h e a r t dot two to dot heal um h e a l h e a l um my website is www.thehearttoheal.org dot dot org um facebook i believe is the heart to heal as well but i'm not really i have to get better with keeping up with facebook yeah um you and me both <laughs> you,
0: and, you and me both
1: but um yes yeah, instagram website right are the best ways to connect.
0: Does the sheer balance have its own website, or is it
2: like
1: no? Linked? So sheer balance will be linked on the heart to heal. Okay. Um. Yeah, there. Yeah, they'll be linked.
0: <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Cool. Uh, cool. Definitely. Well, definitely, you have to keep me posted. You know. You know, we're going to talk. We're going to definitely keep up on everything i
1: will will definitely keep you posted i believe in uh june or july there's supposed to be like a community celebration to listen to the pitches again um and see the progress that we made over the past couple months okay so i will be keeping everybody well now that we're in the accelerator process i will be being more intentional about documenting that process. Okay. Yes. Um, yes. And the May, May is mental health awareness month. Dope, dope. Um, so I will definitely, again, be more as intentional about posting in May. Um, just more tips, tricks, resources, and
0: all the above yes dope dope and i will do the same like whatever you post i'm definitely trying to repost and trying to share that info um because it's so important so very important um listen mckenzie i appreciate you definitely thank you for rocking with me um once again this is uh on the air with prez you just heard the mental health and wellness episode with Mackenzie Nash. Please follow and support her um, based out of Philadelphia, but coming to a city near you real soon. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Speaking it into existence.
0: Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I see it. y'all. I see it for real. Um, even if we start small, you know, we'll, we'll hit up everything between New York and Philly, all oh, the little cities right. between New York and Philly. You let me know. We, we we do that road trip man we do it like we yeah. used to do back in the days when, when 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 rappers used to come out with an album they used to hop in that van <laughs> and drive up and down the turnpike and drive up and down 95 we're going to do the same thing but we're going to be doing it for mental health yeah you heard all right man thanks for rocking with us once again thank
1: you thank you for having me again
0: not a problem man anytime anytime we'll do this uh, again we we'll definitely do this yeah. again um check this out check us out on uh, beats pods and life network um and also on all your other streaming platforms your apple your spotify's youtubes and all that good stuff but definitely beats pods and Life is where this is going to be first and foremost all right once again thank you this is prez and this is on the air with prez um mackenzie nash thank you for rocking with us and we'll talk again soon
1: Yes, good night.